and welcome to my new podcast, Blurt It Baby. So in this podcast, I talk to some of my closest friends about their real experience of motherhood and what to actually expect. Real talk for real mums is a little bit of a cliche and I think to be honest, to really go there, it's not that easy. We all know that having a baby is a true blessing, but what I've learned from my friends is how hard it is for them to be that honest in front of others without people thinking they don't love their babies. So for my sake, and more importantly theirs, I wanted to create a little bubble where they can reflect on their own journey of mumhood without being judged. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, it is an honour to introduce my next guest because this is one of my very dear friends, Nadia Freeman. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Um, well, we met, which is going to sound nuts because I used to live with her now husband, but it wasn't actually in that way. We were, we were friends. But we became instant friends when we met and we did pub quizzes every Monday night. We um, did. And I was on the radio and you used to give me all the content, which was really helpful. But Yeah, we, I remember. Yeah, you were like my great source of content. Um, but a, a reason why I wanted you on this podcast, um, you mm-hmm. are a mum of two beautiful babies, Ruby and Ollie. Thank you. Um, it's because you're so honest. Every time we meet up, it's, a, it's just such a refreshing thing to have you talk so honest and, and funny. You know, it's not always honest and heavy um it's quite funny and it it, weirdly it doesn't put me off having a baby it makes me excited but it's nice to hear um always a real account so this is why i've asked you on my podcast um oh well thanks for inviting me yeah it's a pleasure and you know um you're also a doctor which is pretty incredible and also very good to know one um (laughs) but let's talk about let's talk about the first baby the gorgeous ruby now something i always remember you saying the first time I met Ruby who must have been about three weeks old um less than a month old and I remember you saying that you didn't have that gush of love Mm -hmm. and I I didn't think at all like oh you terrible mother but I felt like you were very brave saying that because I'd never heard anybody say that before and that was really interesting for me because I think, well, if you're saying it, that must happen to other people, right? Yeah, I think, I think there's, having had Ollie, um, so my second baby, has made me kind of unpick a bit more as to why I think I didn't feel that gush of love with Ruby, whereas I probably did with Ollie. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I love Ollie anymore. I love my kids. I love them both. They're both as challenging as each other in different ways, but I love them. Yeah. Um, it just was that initial bonding process was incredibly different. And I think a lot of that is to do with um, kind of the way I decided to go into motherhood, the age, my stage and my maturity. So Adam and I decided we'd start trying for a baby, but we never said we'd start trying for a baby. It was, I'll come off the pill and just see what happens. Yeah, I I love that. (laughs) Yeah, surprise, surprise, you get pregnant. (laughs) I mean, I should know. You think, um, in a way, it's very clever, you think, if I'm going to, we're going to try, but we're not going to try. But um, I don't know what it's like for the man, but I know as a woman, once you make that decision to come off the pill, you are very then aware every time you do have sex that we're having a baby. We're having a baby. So 
even yeah, though you don't know how long it's going to take i think as soon as you make that decision not to have contraception you are making uh, a baby you're making a baby yeah and something you always said to me which again yeah. was super honest and so interesting actually is that you felt like you were too young yeah i think i always uh, you know i've been around not only through not really through work i don't do anything with women babies and children at work at all but really more about friends going through struggles with fertility and i kind of said to my husband i want it's for me it's better to be pregnant and be pleasantly surprised quickly yeah rather than get to the point where i'm absolutely desperate and it's all all you can think about and the idea of having a baby is totally it completely consumes you, know, you. consumes you yeah that's the word thanks yeah. baby <laughs> baby brain still carries on my <laughs> later you completely forget your words it totally consumes you and i never ever wanted to be in that position so i decided it was better to start early maybe a bit before i was ready then start when i felt i was definitely ready and then you know god forbid we couldn't get pregnant and it would just consume you and i've seen that unfortunately consume other people upsettingly and i, I just didn't want that for myself yeah. did you um because this is another thing which is very hard for people to talk about did you feel guilty that you were pregnant yes yeah absolutely massively guilty um but then at this at specifically because people close to me were struggling at the same time yeah um but i then realized and someone very close to me said that we're not the same they didn't ever think about it that way right. the fact that i was pregnant i was having a baby they weren't jealous they weren't upset they were happy for me as me yeah and they found it separate so I think I realized that actually my feelings should not my feelings of guilt were not necessarily warranted no um and you didn't want it self not selfishly actually but you don't want that to affect your first experience um either so no I, exactly yeah. I think feelings of guilt are a current and they pop up their heads in every part of motherhood i think that the feeling guilty of feeling guilty being pregnant when other people can't necessarily be pregnant is just the start of unfortunately a guilt spiral into other yeah parts. i've heard that. you know <laughs> you feel guilty when you go back to work you feel guilty when you're looking after one and not the other you feel guilty that you've got ex you know your baby's yeah. well and happy and a close friend's baby is not yeah. well and happy so I you mean, almost have to accept that guilt is going to be a part of you can't avoid that feeling because yeah, that's absolutely. a struggle as well but actually if you go that just is it comes with the package yeah that's how it is exactly yeah. so i think we decided to start fairly early on then unfortunately um my mum wasn't so well and that kind of just made me think okay I, I better get on with it yes um i think that although those are all very good reasons i think they definitely impacted on the kind of postnatal experience of that gush of love that you were discussing yeah um so i think in all honesty i was not ready emotionally i think you can tick all the boxes you want to tick you can tick the stable marriage for four years we were very lucky in that we just bought a house i had a stable job um my husband had a stable job i mean we ticked all yeah. of the kind of uh, I don't want to say financial, no, but, but, um, yeah in in terms of you know if you were 
pleasing parents who are old-fashioned, you're, yeah. you're fine on that pathway to go ahead. I thought that it was a good time on paper. Yes. On Love Island, you know, the right type on paper. And it was the right time on paper, but it was not. You know, I, I think it's, yeah, it's difficult to say, but honestly, I don't, I, emotionally, I was not mature enough. I was wholeheartedly involved in my job. I was consumed by my work. I loved my job. And I was, my work-life balance was not yeah. good. Um, I think also I unfortunately didn't have the best pregnancy for a number of reasons. So when Ruby came, it was, I expected that gush of love. Everyone says you get it. And then, yeah. you know, when you're breastfeeding, you're meant to feel the special connection. And I think um, my actual birth wasn't necessarily the best. I ended up with an emergency C-section. Yeah. But all these things you can give excuses to, I don't think they're the reasons. I don't think the fact that I didn't have a great pregnancy or the fact that I didn't yeah. have a perfect ideal birth, the fact that post-birth I was in pain and it wasn't the best. I don't think those are the reasons. I think it is honestly, so I just wasn't emotionally prepared and I wasn't, I didn't have that. I, I would always say about this mum, the mum gene. I always felt like I lacked the mum gene with Ruby. Right. Um, I don't think I did. I just think that mum gene yeah. hadn't matured. And that's um, um, and I talk about this on another episode where it's almost like nature hasn't kicked in yet because yeah. because there's so much going on where you don't realise that your life as it was before has changed with immediate effect and that's something you always tell me about is that your life will change um, and I think there's a lot of people sometimes that do think it will just slot in it will just slot in. Um, and I think you have to sometimes face reality that that could happen and that's great, but that might not happen. Yeah. Um, ha what did you feel when you didn't feel this gush of love? Did you feel, a sh you shouldn't have, but did you feel shame? And did you feel like you couldn't t tell anybody? I mean, uh, you told me, which I thought was very yeah. great, but I suppose I wasn't in the mum world. So there's, uh, you know, and there's no there's going to be no judgment from me in that I sense. think in hindsight, I don't think I told anybody else. Just just think about it now. I think you're the only person I told. And I think that's also because you and I have the kind of relationship where we can be very honest with each other without judgment. And also you ask me questions that make me think more about my actions rather than just, oh, hey, how are you? It's, it's a much, it's a different relationship. It's actually, I care about you and I care about how you're feeling and why do you think you're feeling like that? And I think that... Um, when I said that I didn't have that immediate gush of love, I think it was perhaps a bit therapeutic in a way yeah. to kind of yeah. understand why. And I think that that kind of not immediate gush of love then, I, I would kind of flip it on its head. So I think, you know, I, I like to be a fairly positive and optimistic person. Yeah. And alongside that, I'm, you know, type A personality, I don't like to fail. So I kind of put it, I kind of ignored it and I switched it on its head. So... I would always say that Ruby was very independent and she didn't like to be held. And I think an element of that was perhaps true, but I also think a lot of that was because I didn't feel the need to hold her at the time. Yeah. And I will never forget, I had a weaning class in my house. So we had a teacher come in, I had all my antenatal girls here and a, a, another friend who'd had a baby. All the babies were the same age. All the babies were, I think, four months old, three or four months all were sitting on mum's lap, all of them. 
And I had Ruby in like a little chair on the floor. And I didn't feel the need to pick her up and hold her because that wasn't how we lived our day to day. I would always do what I had to do with her and put her down. I never cuddled. I never held. Yeah. And I kind of felt embarrassed at the time, but I flipped it on its head and I was like, oh, but she's really independent. And to be fair to her, Ruby is an incredibly, a strongly independent, fierce young lady. Oh, and that is how she, she is, is now. Fierce. Is brilliant. <laughs> she is fierce. She is literally Sasha fierce. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It's so I try to cover it up perhaps. Yeah. And I think the first time it really hit me what a gush of love should feel like was when I got back. I just started work again. I'd done four straight days of 12-hour shifts and I hadn't seen Ruby before or after work. And I got back on, so this was taking it to the fourth day and she woke up crying after I got home from work. And I ran upstairs and I picked her up and I cuddled her and I just cried buckets. Really? Um, Yeah, I just cried and cried and cried because I felt like, I was being selfish by going back to work yeah. and therefore not being there for my baby. She just woke up because she's a baby who wakes up. It's got nothing to do with me. But And that was the first time I think I really felt that connection Yeah, um, that I think a lot of people talk about feeling it. Feeling and I think, and I've told a lot of my friends, I've been, as, as I've told you, but since then I've been really honest and really open saying I didn't, bond with her for at least eight months to a year i didn't feel that immediate that's a long time in in for a mum because it's you know it's usually that that most of maternity leave um but it's really good to tell other mums that because i'm guessing when you had those nct mums round that would never be something you would say to them right god no no not at all i was i was acutely embarrassed by it because i felt there's all these mums who are doting on their babies they absolutely you know giggling with them and laughing with them and you know how you see these videos or tv programs where mums put their babies in the air and they giggle and they laugh and it's so cute and there's so much love and it's so happy and that wasn't going on for me at home no um so i went the other way and i was i wouldn't stay at home with her we were out all the time we were always doing activities I was schlepping her everywhere did that um, help you though or do you wish now looking back that you had not confronted really, it but you know I think it's a really interesting question and I I don't know I don't think I can regret that no. all I can say is that my second maternity leave has been very different in that if I stay at home with Ollie for an afternoon or most, or three afternoons, or this is obviously before lockdown, but like, you know, four afternoons in a week, that's okay. I'm kind of just chilling and recovering. Whereas with Ruby, it was always like, right, what are we going to do next? We need another activity. We'd be out the house by nine, home around five, 5.30 every day. Wow. I just didn't feel that need to be at home. Um, Whereas with Ollie, I do feel that need to be at home and just relaxing and enjoying my... Because you're more comfortable now, I suppose, and you don't... Yeah, and also I think I've realised going forward, I don't need to rush. I I always rush. I want to do everything now. And that was my whole life. That was my career. That was my personal life. I I was like, right, let's go on to the next step. Let's go on to the next step. Yeah. And with Ruby, it was like, right, let's get back to normal life. I mean, I was driving, with, I'd just like to say, with medical approval. I think it was three and a half weeks after I had Ruby, or four weeks. Yeah. That's after a C-section. Um, with medical approval, yep, it was fine. Right. I mean, you're a doctor. I'm guessing you didn't break the rules. <laughs> no, but I got a doctor's medical <laughs> approval. Um, 
So whereas this time I've I've realized there's there's no rush. Yeah. Babies are only babies once. And actually spending time whilst they're this age is, is so important. Yeah. You're never going to get it again. Whereas work will always be there. I mean, I'm be, I'll be working for the NHS till for another 30, 40 years yeah. at least. And even if that wasn't the case, that, you know, I know it's, I mean, a struggle right now as well, but there will always be work, but you will never get. And I remember you saying to me once, um, which again was uh, really stuck with me, was that they only have me as their mum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking that. They only have me. My patients will have other doctors. They will go through their lives having other doctors that will hopefully make a difference to their life. Whereas, yeah, exactly. My kids only have one mum. I'm their only mum. I'm the most important person, mum person. They've also got a very important dad person. Whereas patients will, I don't mean to say patients will come and go, but it's quite rare that you you will never have that relationship to a patient you will never feel that responsibility to a patient that you do to your own child and I know that sounds very obvious but I think I needed to appreciate that yeah well it is obvious but it's not always obvious when you know you're very driven and very career driven and interestingly enough though I just I suppose for others um and you know it, it, it could happen to me but what would your advice be if you don't get that gush of love um, is there something, I mean, you learn a lot now, so and yeah. you learned it as well with Ollie, your second. So it's lovely when you come out of something like that and you can understand yeah. it. But what would you say to somebody or like even yourself back then now? Um, I'd say it's normal. Yeah. Every single mother and every single baby and every relationship is different. Do not compare yourself to different people. You are just as much of a good mum as you would be otherwise and t- sometimes it takes time not everything comes to you at once yeah um don't beat yourself up about it don't be upset it's yeah it's unbelievably difficult because you feel like you're sacrificing so much and when there's that gush of love that sacrifice kind of makes sense whereas it, when there isn't that gush of love that sacrifice is a bit it's a bit harder to swallow harder to i'll put swallow, it that way yeah and, but and, what and, I would say, to, yeah. No, I was just going to say, and looking back now, a lot of people really mourn the life that they had before. Um, would you again say that's something that will just take time to adapt? So don't panic if you do yeah, miss that no, life. You know what's really funny is that I honestly don't, I don't mourn the life. I, I, I mourn aspects of the life I had before. What I would say to somebody is remember those aspects you can get them back. So, you know, your first however many months of having a baby, you don't have any aspects of that old life because you are wholeheartedly devoting your life to another human being. And you don't have your own personal space. You don't have your time. You don't have your body. You don't have your mind. You don't have your job. But I promise you that within time at some point, you will get the aspects of your old life that you used to love. And actually... You will get new aspects to your life that you love more than your old. Yes. I mean... That's a good thing to say. Like, that's something you you actually... Sometimes there can be so much negativity that you forget that. uh, And I remember you saying um, to me recently, but there's so much joy and so much pride that you get from nothing else but your children, you know. And also so much laughter. I mean, 
day in day out ruby says really funny stuff that only a three-year-old girl or boy three-year-old child would say their naivety their innocence yeah and actually if i could do a separate podcast i would do it on the text messages you get from ruby's nursery about her aggressive behavior (laughs) (laughs) which does make you sound like a bad mum, but it's funny very funny no it is funny it's Um, funny you know she's got such a character and so there is there there absolutely is there is um light through the dark i'd say there is dark points and that first six weeks is a total haze and then the next 12 weeks are a total haze but then at some point you do kind of surface your head and you go oh my kids are really cute they can kind of look after themselves or someone else can i'm gonna go and get a facial like you can do that yeah that that's i think you have to um not you're right you have to remember that you can get those aspects back and I think some people are like well my life is not going to be the same again this is it but actually it's just taking that pressure off from what you've said taking that pressure off yourself for the first you know however many weeks and just you know devote the time not only to your baby but to yourself yeah um, and it, that yeah. does lead me on to something else. Um, we will cover breastfeeding because I think you're very powerful on this one. But another one was um, body image. Because oh, yeah. I remember, you know, we're all on Instagram. It's not um, it's not something we deny. Um, we mm. do look at other people all the time. But I remember, for you in particular, um, Binky, who's in Made in Chelsea, uh, beautiful, had yeah. a baby the same time as you, her body you know from hard work went to an you know um a very desirable incredible shape i remember you talking about that to me and it was it had affected you slightly um and i didn't even think about that i didn't even think that you would have to then adapt to a new body yeah the body image is a huge issue um i think in particular for me i look i've had issues with body image like a lot of women do for many many years i've yo-yo dieter you name it i've tried it um i unfortunately i come for eat and i had a miserable a miserable pregnancy with ruby i put on force i put on three stone um and then i lost four afterwards so (laughs) but But while you're pregnant were you bothered about the weight gain being yeah it was horrible the problem was that i'd gone from being so before I was pregnant, I was spinning. I was running around a hospital. I was yeah. active. I was um, felt good in myself. I wear nice clothes. I'd be really into fashion. And then I got pregnant and I just ate everything. And I didn't care. I didn't do my hair. I shoved on. I didn't care what clothes I was wearing as long as they fitted and were modest. Um, it was a total different change for me. And I, I remember saying, oh, but it's only during pregnancy and it'll be... F-. And you know what? It's not only during pregnancy. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't regret it. I think you have to sometimes let... Sometimes you've got to let something go. Not You can't do everything perfectly. And growing a human is really hard work and sometimes that's all you can do yeah getting up going to work trying your best at work without fainting in a you know a surgical theater um <laughs> no idea going doing your operations or whatever you're doing um and then 
coming home and eating a pizza. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what, that's okay. And you can't and- punish yourself because I, I, I'll um, admit as well, I'm the same, you know, very body conscious. Sometimes it's embarrassing to say, you know, you are like, oh, I put weight on and, and you obsess about these things. So I think for me, that's something, um, I don't think about it in pregnancy weirdly, but I think about it postnatally that I will have to, because you, the problem with Instagram, of course, yeah. Um, is that it does look like a lot of people just snap back. Oh, you know what? And this is, you know what I reminded myself? Remember saying to myself, and this is, I have massive respect for Binky. She's obviously worked so hard and she looks amazing. Yeah, she does. She yeah. absolutely does. And, she, and as you said, she's got a gorgeous child. And, and I remember it. Yes, I did find it hard because we had babies, you know, a few weeks apart. But I remember reminding myself, this is part of her job. Yeah. My job is looking after sick people. My job is not to look good and fit and healthy <laughs> and sell other products as an influencer. That's not my job. And a lot of these people, and I, I don't, I don't know this for sure. I'm not naming any names, but I think a lot of them have personal trainers, personal yes. cooks, lifestyle coaches. I don't know yoga yeah. mentors. They have. Because, understandably, it's their job. Yeah. As an influencer, you have to have a certain image. Yeah. And I had to remind myself, that's not my job. My job is at work, yeah. keeping people alive and getting them better. And at home, it's keeping children alive. Yeah. My job is not to look good. It's a bonus if I can do it and make myself feel better. But um, there's no... It's, I would say this coming from somebody who rushed back to the gym was desperate to lose that weight and I did do it and I and I'm really happy and I'm really proud and I I don't shy away from saying that I've done that it's there is no rush please don't ever put pressure on yourself because although pregnancy and first year of baby feels like ages it's just two years like it's not even two years like let's get real here and you've got your whole life to get your figure back yes all right, so you have to buy size cl- clothes size up for a few months. Or, you know, buy them cheap. Go to Primark. Get the bigger size. And then when you're down, you put them away yeah. and you say... And the what next an achievement you as well. Like, you know, a, a personal achievement too. And, you know, I am pre- and postnatal trained um, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the fitness industry. Only recently, um, and what I couldn't believe is... And I was completely naive to this as well, is, is how dangerous it really is to... Um, and I'm not saying this for influencers, they do it, 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 obviously they have paid people and that's fine. Um, but it's very dangerous to just start your own exercise regime, especially if you've had maybe a complicated birth or a, or a C-section and yeah. go at it hard, high impact. Because what you don't realise is, that, and I, it was completely new to me doing this pre and postnatal course, that your body is in a state of rehab for about 12 months yeah. and you don't want to do you know, further damage. But it is it's difficult because you are going to look at other people's bodies. And I wonder what yep. kind of advice you would give to mums that are going to do that, you know. So I think I'd say, can't do anything about your skin. Your skin is your skin. Yeah. And you have to embrace it. I unfortunately have quite a lot of excess skin. I've got some beautiful silvery stretch marks everywhere you know what, that's going to be it. Unless I decide that I want to spend bucket loads on plastic surgery, which, and I, or whether I want, I don't really want plastic surgery. It's not really for me. I don't really want to go under the knife unless I really have to. 
that's going to be me. And you have to accept that. You have to accept you are different because you grew a human. Yes. Like, let's get real here. You grew a child. You you produced an offspring. It's it's really not yeah. something, it's, and it's you know, cattle or rabbit. You know? It's more empowering than a six-pack, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not saying don't work out and don't get fit because that's always encouraged in life for loads of different reasons but I remember my sister who will um, feature on one of the episodes body was a massive thing for her because she never gained weight in her life but she'd never exercised before and then I think everybody had probably said to her including myself oh you'll snap right back because look at you and you have to kind of accept that um what you knew before and how your body was before may never be the same again. Yeah. Um, and when did you think in like your first pregnancy with Ruby, when did you think you started to feel comfortable, you know, and think, yeah, like I, I'm empowered. I grew a human and I'm comfortable in myself. And this no, is I didn't. I didn't. No, I and didn't. That's okay. Right. That you, and that, you know what? That's what I, I think I, in all honesty, it's only been after that. So, it's only really been after this pregnancy. And I think that's because my body after this pregnancy is not... So after Ruby, it took me a while, but I I don't think I remember having such issues about excess skin and excess and stretch marks. So after that, I did feel like I got my pre It took me 12 months, but I felt like I had my pre-pregnancy image back. Right. This time, I feel like I have a very different image. Although I may be... I'm very lucky in that I've... I'm back in my clothes and stuff. I don't have that same body image. There are things that are not what they used to be. We'll just leave it at that. And you know what? That's so. It's now I feel more empowered. It's yeah. it's the also I had two C sections. You yeah. can't. You know, it's incredible. It's two. It's two major operations. Yeah. They take a long time to recover from. And you know what? I don't want to wear a bikini anyway. It's, swimsuits are much nicer. And well, they're they really, actually are, weirdly. I mean, but, they're stupid in fashion right now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> But I'm you still look beautiful in a bikini. I mean, it's your choice anyway. But an- another thing is, yeah. um, and it, it does depend on the relationship, obviously the relationship that you're in, but did that, did that affect your relationship with Adam at all? No, never. Adam is literally the opposite to that, I think. I think most men, I think most men are and I think it's in your head absolutely it's it's and for me that's what it was it was a body image for me it wasn't a body it wasn't me not feeling yeah there was a part of not feeling sexy for him but I never ever felt he didn't find me attractive I think he felt he was all he doesn't really talk about his feelings he's not like he's not that kind of he doesn't really no I live with he's just not that kind of guy um we kind of have to force out feelings (laughs) tell me that you're sad (laughs) not just grumpy and (laughs) anyway he's normally very happy (laughs) um anyway so but he never ever ever made me feel ugly or fat or in any way I mean and that's you know, so important. It oh just, my it was, and he didn't even comment. It wasn't even a thing. Like, if I got dressed up and I did my... I remember we went out for my... For our... It's always our wedding and our anniversary, not my Is wedding. It though? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, Yeah. So we went out for our anniversary. What well, Ollie was maybe three months old. We decided to go out for a lunch because we thought it'd be easier to get um, his mum babysit. And... 
I remember him saying like, you look gorgeous or, and at the time I didn't feel that, you know, I was, I was wearing a maternity dress, but I made an effort. I'd have my hair done. I did my makeup and he made me feel good. Yeah. So I think for me, but that, you know what, that's a very personal thing. I'm lucky in that Adam is the least shallow person and he does not, and shallow is probably the wrong word, but image is not, yeah. is, is, I mean, is it's, not. It's a, it's a shallow in a positive way. Is, yeah, is it's, it's imagery, yeah. how I look, how I dress. He just doesn't, you know, yeah. he would be just as happy with me if I'm, as I am now, no makeup, hair up in PJs, then doled up to the nines. He yeah. doesn't ever comment. He will comment when I look good, but it's not a, no, it wasn't an issue in my relationship at all. But at the same time, I do appreciate that there are other couples where body image as a is more important to them as a couple. Yes. It just isn't yeah. that. It's not such a thing in my relationship. I think it's uh, what I take from that is to not rush, take the pressure off, but also feel empowered with what has happened to your body yeah. as opposed to the negative side of that. And I think that, I, you know. I just think take off what I've really learned in these past few months is the importance of take off the pressure yeah. to be your old self today. It's it's something that I feel and I, I will always feel because that's just the human I am, but I try really hard to remove it and I Do you do that by going on would you suggest going on Instagram less? Because I think sometimes I follow nah, people You know I, what? You can do. Yeah. I go on Instagram just as much. I just because I like it, I like it's my way of winding down, I like clothes, I like looking at other people. I just always remind myself they got filters. They've <laughs> yeah. got, this is their job. Just remember, you have to be good at your, Everyone wants to be good at their job. Yeah, you're right. Instagram influencers' job aren't to do that. We've talked so much that you've covered everything so well, but I, I know we, we had kind of talked about before we did the podcast, your approach to breastfeeding, because again, you, you were someone who I found so powerful because you just simply said, I didn't like doing it. I could do it. I didn't want to do it. And I just found that yeah. so amazing because one thing that does anger me, um, and, I, you know, it shouldn't because I haven't even had a baby, so I have no idea. But I know the struggles that people have had breastfeeding that are very, very close to me, and it's been incredibly stressful while they're trying to adapt to this new baby. And I find yeah. mums that say, you need to persevere, I'm sorry. I find that hard to hear, and I wondered yeah. what you feel about people saying that kind of thing as a mum who chose not to because you didn't enjoy it? So I think, if I just give a bit of context to that, so with Ruby, I breastfed for six weeks, with Ollie, I breastfed for five days. Um, with Ruby, I was in a loss of pain from my C-section. I carried, I breastfed, we didn't have issues breastfeeding, it was fine. Yes, it was painful, but unfortunately, you know, it's not big news to tell you that breastfeeding is painful. It becomes less painful, but it is painful. Yeah. We're very lucky. We didn't have tongue tie. We didn't have reflux. She took, we took to it okay. But it, but I was, I was always combination feeding, i.e. using a bottle and a breast straight, straight from the off. And I thought to myself, got to six weeks and I just hated it. And every time I needed to breastfeed, I winced. I, yeah, it I wasn't something of, you looked forward to. God, no. I, I 
hated it every time and you know what it was it was detrimental to our relationship yeah as i said original gosh i love yada yada but then it got worse because i felt indebted to her i had to do it it was that have to feeling yeah it wasn't a Who choice gave you that have to feeling like society uh, uh society my learning from medical school yeah um it was the right thing to do and i remember a, a friend of mine saying you've got to you know yes it's really hard you've got to try it for six weeks to, because that's when you break through and if you can break through then it's so easy you don't have to ster- look, sterilize bottles like all the practical sides of things and trust me i'm the first one to know about all the medical uh, before i carry on breastfeeding is wonderful medically emotionally for some people Yes. Um, yeah, and trust me, I do appreciate the sacrifices I've made medically by not breastfeeding. And there, there are some. And I don't think you can deny that. But for me, and I've always said this, happy mum, happy baby. And I was not a happy mum. And it made our relationship worse, more strained. And as soon as I gave up breastfeeding with Ruby, there was this, this sense of total relief. Yeah. I didn't have that. It, again, it goes back to pressure, pressure to do something. I took off that pressure cap. And I was able to start bonding with her and enjoy it more. Yeah. With Ollie, I breastfed really well with Ollie. And I was really determined to give it a go. I was like, I'm going to give it a go if it can work. And actually, we breastfed pretty well. I was lucky. And I had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of help. And I think anyone going into breastfeeding, you, you need help. It is not something. So I was like, oh, here's a baby. I'm going to put them on the breast. So it'll be a wonderful lap. <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah. You have to speak to people get youtube videos get people to watch you feeding as many midwives as you can get hold of in your setting grab them yeah say help me feed watch me feed what's a different hold because um breastfeeding is work yeah it's not natural that's a good thing to say because i think a lot of mums feel that they are you know lacking some kind of like you said mum gene because they can't do something that's um seemingly so natural and that's why i find it hard when there are some women who can do it so easy and that is brilliant like that really is great and i you know you're so happy for them but don't put that opinion just elsewhere i think you just have to remember you're you are your own person and your experience is not that person and if your mum gut is telling you to do something you listen to it yeah you don't listen to other people yes it's difficult in the beginning your lack of sleep but if something really feels wrong it probably is wrong for you i'm not talking generally um and then i remember with ollie i was so breastfeeding five days and it got to day five and i was just in i again c-section pain i was just like I don't want to be in pain anymore, to be honest with you. I'm kind of done with it. I unfortunately, you know, seven weeks before having Ollie, in and out of possible preterm labor, I was in a lot of pain before having him. I had him, it was a C-section, that was painful. And breastfeeding, as I said, although it wasn't difficult, it was painful. And I just said, don't want the pain. I just don't want it. And I, as I same thing happened again, I bonded much better with him because I felt he wasn't causing me pain. Now... You know, your mum, your classical mum instinct will say, no, you have to sacrifice yourself. You have to give your baby the best thing from day one, even if that means that, you know, you're throwing yourself under a bus, you throw yourself under your bus for your baby. And of course you throw yourself under a bus for a baby. (laughs) But let's get real here. If you are not happy and you're miserable, they feed off of it and they feel it, then they're just miserable. And then everybody in the house is miserable. And then 
what's the point? What's the, what's the real point there? We've got wonderful, you know, bottle feeding and formula exactly. feeding. Gives yeah. them then a fed. They do say breast is best, but I remember I discussing with my brother. Fed is best. Yes. You know, I've seen and I've heard of countless friends who go into hospital, their babies are losing weight, they've been referred in because they're desperately trying to breastfeed. And I commend them and I think it's wonderful that they're trying. But please never feel pressure from anybody else but yourself. You make that decision. If you want to carry on breastfeeding, even though it's really tough, you do it. And if you don't, you don't do it. Yeah. And people do say, give it a chance you might break through. And I think it's important you do give yourself a chance and don't make any rash decisions. But at the same time, you listen to yourself. Don't listen to other people. There's no point. Um, they don't know you. They don't know your baby yeah. and they don't know your Very relationship. Advice. Um, no, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm going to end there because I think as someone who hasn't had a baby and hopefully one day will, um, what everything you've said there is just, you know, I'll listen back to this before I give birth I know I will because it is it's so lovely to have such an honest um such an honest account of motherhood and also so many so many great bits of advice because it's very easy to say take the pressure off but to put it in context it's so true there's no rush take the pressure off and I think um and I think it's just really great to hear how it was for you and, and for you to be so honest so um, yeah. thank you and the one thing I the one thing I would say is that you as a mum always knows what's best for your baby. Yeah. And sometimes you have to put that feeling above everything else. And you might upset people. So saying to people, no, now's not a good time. You can't come in. You can't come and see the baby. You can't hold the baby. The babies don't, you know what's best and you know why you're doing yeah. that. And you will feel far more guilty not do, not following your instinct about what's best for the baby then to please, please other people. Else. Yeah, I totally exactly. Agree. To please other people, and you're other, always you know, going to let want... people down. I mean, you're always going to upset people, but you, when it comes to your baby and yourself, I think you're right. You yeah. have to put yourself first. Um, and I'd also just—it's just a mention mental health I, I'm not going to go into it. I know we're not discussing it, but I just think it's really important that if anyone's listening to this you've had a baby and you think you're struggling with your mental health, please reach out. Please reach out to anyone. It doesn't matter if that's your doctor, your friend, your husband, your partner, your mom, your dad, your gran. It doesn't matter. But please don't ever feel alone in that. Mental health issues after having a baby is super common. It's far more common than you realise. Yeah. And if you think you're struggling please just talk to somebody and remember you're not alone. You're just not. And there's always a way out of it. There's always a light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. So, and I yeah. think it's very key to say that because I know you learn more from your second, but I think actually, yeah. um, you know, you opened up to me about Ruby, but I actually think there would be a lot more people than you think in your circle um, yeah. of mums that were probably going through the same thing. So don't be scared you know and like I said at the start of this podcast um it's just very important to stress that this it's a safe place for you to talk about it without looking like you don't love your baby you know yeah so um, yeah because they are very cute babies there is nothing not to like about your babies um no they're good (laughs) you've been amazing thank you so much for being part of this podcast thanks Emily um, I Thanks for asking it. me on. Always. Um, 
I give you Nadia. Thank you so much, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you.